Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello! Hello! Would you like to hear my New Year's resolution? Absolutely, go for it. I've stopped saying Happy New Year. <gasps> Jeff, that's not like you. I'm shocked. I got, I, I got too carried away. It, it was, every year it was increasing in gusto. drama. In gusto. Gusto. It was, it gusto. Too much gusto. It was getting a bit, I mean, how could you up the gusto even more would have been the question, so... Yeah. Yeah. And I think people were expecting it of me, which I then started to resent. It was very much like Radiohead and Creep. (laughs) I didn't just want to do the greatest hit. Yeah. So also as I get older, because I mean, you'll you'll know this, people won't, but I I was a big midnight caller on New Year's Eve to to the people I hold dearest. So Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be infrequent that I would would call you at at midnight if we weren't together. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the energy for that anymore. No, it's hard. Did you stay up? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I stayed up, but only <clears throat> because I put my PJs on, washed my face and cleaned my teeth so that on the stroke of midnight, I could just get into bed straight away, no fuss. That's what we that's did. That's a good with, way of that's, doing that's it, That's right? what we did with Jean, but for 10 o'clock. Oh, t- <laughs> so the funny thing right. was we wanted, to, we wanted him to have that experience of counting down to the hour um, mm. and then watching some fireworks on mm. the TV. But at the same time, we didn't want to keep him up till midnight because he's five. Yeah. So we thought, okay, where is going to be turning midnight two hours ahead of the UK? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So we decided on Helsinki. Yeah. It was a toss up between there and Athens, I think. Mm-hmm. And I went on YouTube and you know, such a thing as YouTube live now. So... I say now, I think it's been around for like 10 years or more. But some YouTube videos are things that are happening now. They're broadcasts, not things people have uploaded. You are aware of this? Yeah. So I I managed to find a stream of live feeds from different cities' midnight celebrations. So we got the Helsinki one on. And actually, by the time I, I... got it on at a minute or two to the fireworks had already started and then we did the countdown and said happy new year and then watched these fireworks and I mean, it was funny because there was nothing recognizably helsinki there were no landmarks 
thought this is a bit strange. So an hour later, I tried the same link and it was just the same video. And then I searched on a different city and it was the same video. So somebody, (laughs) and you've got to admire the person who (laughs) thought to themselves, how can I get some views on New Year's Eve by hoodwinking people? What if I upload many videos, say that they're live and think of as many capital cities as I can? No, and you got hoodwinked I by got it. hoodwinked, yeah. Oh, wow. So, so, uh, so we watched that with him. Then we watched um, sort of flick between Jules Holland and whatever's on BBC One, the fella out of years and years, and it's a sin. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why are you laughing at me? I'm laughing because, let, let's face it, we only know him out of It's a Sin. We don't know him out of the other band, <laughs> that band. <laughs> I only know it's called Years and Years because they called it the New Years and Years Eve. <laughs> I was like, what? why have they called it that? <laughs> I just kept thinking, oh, when are the Pet Shop Boys coming on? Oh. Why can't, why can't he sing some songs that I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's his responsibility to, to cater to my old fart music taste, not mine to be yeah. conversant with his back catalogue. No, exactly. Yes. So, uh, or just do some scenes out of it. It's a scene that I'd recognise. Like that. That would be. <laughs> I'd enjoy that more. I mean, it depends on the scene. It was, I, I had to stop yeah, watching that after one or two. Oh, I thought yeah. it was brilliant, but I thought just thought it was too upsetting. I can't remember which part of the pandemic it happened in, but I remember watching it and thinking. I just spent an hour getting to know and like these boys and now I think I'm going to spend the next three hours of television watching them die and I'm not sure I can put myself through that with everything else that's going on at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he was very good in it. And, and my big news mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is that, and this is why the podcast is late, mm. I have covid Yes, you have it as you speak. You have it. Yeah, just to be clear, COVID nineteen, the uh, uh, the, yep, yep, the yep. novel uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we we put a Facebook post up saying that the podcast was going to be a little delayed because I had COVID, and I'll be honest, I'm not particularly symptomatic, but I was a bit tired and I was getting wheezy of an evening, so I thought better better safe than sorry. Get some mm. rest. Yeah. Um, and and somebody we got a lot of nice comments, but 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 there were a few that alluded to hypochondria. Hypochondria. Either you've got COVID or you don't have COVID. Yeah, Is I don't suspect I had COVID. I, I've, I've had some yeah. tests. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to say, for once and for all, I I am not a hypochondriac. I am a malingerer. Big difference. Big difference. Big so difference. I'm not walking around when I'm well. Thinking that I'm ill, but every little thing that I get, I uh, either allow it to floor me because of my very low pain threshold, mm. or I extrapolate that it's going to kill me. Yeah, which is normal. We all do yeah. that. But I'm, yeah. I'm not walking around thinking I'm ill when I'm not. No. I just think like anything is is much worse than it is, mm. and. I just want to speak up on behalf of all malingerers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what I've what I've been doing really is um, I've been sort of lying around, sort of not really leaving the bedroom, just sort of lying around in bed, like eating a lot of takeaways, getting deliveries dropped on the doorstep, and then just sort of drifting in and out of sleep whilst watching YouTube videos and listening to Beatles podcasts. Uh, Really, that's how I've been mm. spending the spending my life really for the past four or five years. I was going to say, so... not dramatically different to your normal everyday week. 
<laughs> yes. Um, what was it? What was it to tell you about? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I did one of the the lateral flow tests, the antigen tests, um, and got me positive. And then what you then have to do is go and get a PCR test from a walk-in mm-hmm. centre. And so that's the only time I've left the house. Mm. And what was great about it is on the way there, I wore wore, wore a mask, which you know I don't always do outdoors, um, mm. always indoors, but not outdoors. And and I passed my friend's husband on the other side of the street, and he saw me. Oh yeah, but there was I had a completely legitimate yes. reason for not stopping and talking yes. to him. And did you go, can't speak, going for a COVID yeah, so test? I've got COVID, I'm going for a PCR test. Oh, wow. And, like, and, and he just did a, oh, oh, I see, and then carried on walking. And I wondered how realistic it is for me to use that <laughs> sort of in perpetuity, really. In perpetuity. Well, prob- until, the, you know, until it's, it's all over, yeah. whenever that may be, you could probably get away with it every three months. Oh, that, that, that infrequently. Yeah, oh, so, oh, you hate me for more. Yeah. I was hoping that any time I see somebody in the street, I can just say, I can't talk. I've got COVID. I'm going for a PCR test. You need to buy a notebook and put people's name in it and the last time you use that excuse and then quickly refer to it and see if it's been three months since you last said it. Yes. Yeah, I could I could um, put that all into a spreadsheet and a spreadsheet. upload it onto, onto the cloud. I could put it yeah. on the cloud. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um Oh, the the other thing that happened was, so I went and did my PCR test, then I got an email just after midnight that night saying that my test was void and I had to go and do another one. Oh, you're joking. And I felt like such a failure at that moment. (laughs) Because you didn't do it properly. It must have been that, right? Well, So part of me thinks, well, maybe something happened in the lab. Maybe there was a mix-up in the lab. Maybe a, a... a lab rat escaped and knocked it over. But but really, we know what happened. I was too you, wussy you about sticking yeah. that thing in my throat and didn't do it properly. Pro- probably, yeah. Although I prefer the lab rat theory, so let's go with that. <laughs> how, was, um, how was your new year, apart from um, being bluted with clean teeth and ready for I was bluted. Yeah, That's yeah. a great word, yeah. yeah. I, I did my full ablutions. Um, and then I, I stayed awake long enough to see the fireworks on the television. And then I looked out of the window and there were fireworks going out of the window. So I slightly turned my head from left to right so I could enjoy both shows <clears throat> for around about a minute. And then I thought, that's it. Time to get my sleep. Do you remember Gareth, who we used to work with, just didn't think fireworks were worth looking at? He would say that if he could hear fireworks going off, he wouldn't even bother to raise his head to look out of the window to see them because he thought they were so, like, nothing special. That wouldn't re- even raise his head. <laughs> that reminds me once um, when I lived in this flat with my ex, I was in the bath and it was a tiny flat. So it, it was it, even though I was in the bath, I, with, with two or three strides, I could be anywhere else in the, in the, in the flat. Hmm. And I remember it shouting to me, oh, God, the dry cleaner's opposite is on fire. And I just, just couldn't be bothered getting out of the bath to look at it. <laughs> the spectacle of a dry cleaner's on yeah, fire yeah. with all your clothes going up in flames. <laughs> so we know you like a dry clean. <laughs> if, if we were doing the radio show, that, that would be a great phone-in, wouldn't it? The things that you just haven't been able to muster the energy to look at. We've done that before. There's all sorts of things like people like being on a coach that stops at the Grand Canyon, just thinking, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> 
so I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stay here. Like it happens a lot. I love it. We're all the same. I really love it. In fact, mm. I mean, I know it's slightly off topic, but maybe we should ask people if if you've got any any examples of that that we can read out. It's always funny. Yeah, I'd love that. So yeah, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Now, speaking of uh, email, Annabelle, are we ready to delve into our inbox for the first time in 2022? We are. And the first one is from Andy Reynard, And it is a part two of a story from last year, as you're here. He writes, so to recap briefly on the first part of this story that was on episode 186, I'd had the exciting news that I'd won a competition to take penalties at half time of a Leeds United match. And what's more, I'd be taking them alongside some of the club's former legendary players. However, meeting some of those players a few minutes ago had just reminded me of how I really should avoid social interaction at all costs. Had I really just asked the club's former right back, Mel Sterland, to tell me about his ankle 30 seconds after meeting him for the first time? And then diss the legend that was Peter Lorimer by apparently snubbing his offer of a handshake. Yes, it was all true, but I pushed these thoughts aside as I stood in the tunnel waiting to be introduced to the crowd. Excellent story so far, actually. Yes. Very, very efficiently done. Very. This was the start of the dream I've been running in my head for the last few days and in some ways for the last 20 years. It certainly had a dreamlike quality when I suddenly found myself on the pitch in front of a crowd of, I would estimate, 30,000. Soon the area around the penalty area was full of competition winners, stars of yesteryear and officials. I was standing next to the great Bobby Collins, a hero of the team in the early 60s. Being a drifter, I, of course, couldn't just soak up the moment and enjoy it for what it was. Despite my awkward awkward interactions with Mel Sterland and Peter Lorimer earlier, something possessed me to start a dialogue with the Scotsman, Bobby Collins. I guess I just wanted to say I once spoke to the great man, as he'd not been part of our meet and greet earlier. Having both just witnessed another competition winner hitting an impressive shot into the goal while we waited for things to start, I thought I saw my chance. My mouth opened and some words fell out. Oh, no. Nice shot that, wasn't it? I said. Without looking in my directions, Collins paused for a second, then mumbled, Aye. My toes curled as I detected in an undercurrent of, Why is this guy I've never met before talking to me like I'm his mate? <laughs> his reluctant one word reply to my inspired conversation starter had killed my latest chat with an ex pro before it could even begin. <laughs> when would I ever learn? I quickly made myself scarce by running to retrieve some footballs from the back of the net. I went to the rear of the net and kicked the first ball back out. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. The holes in the net were smaller than I thought and it appeared that I had my foot trapped. I was now standing on one leg, the other leg incapacitated with around 10,000 people in the stand behind me. Two thoughts entered my head. I wonder if anyone has noticed and I desperately hope I can free my foot without A, falling over or B, having to frantically call a steward over to help me. I wriggled my foot, but nothing was happening. Oh God, oh God, oh God. This could turn into my worst episode yet. How will I ever live down this embarrassment? Usually there were no more than a handful of people to witness my social disasters. But here I was with thousands of pairs of eyes, potentially trained on this idiot with his foot stuck in the net. Dr. Pepper, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, definitely this. 
I reached down and struggled to release the net's grip. Oh, thank heavens. With some difficulty, I'd got it out, saved. Whatever happened for the rest of my life, I would always be thankful that I managed to free myself from the net at Elland Road without assistance. <gasps> With relief coursing through me, I went to very carefully kick another ball out from the back of the net. Oh dear. Oh no. It appeared oh that no. I had my foot trapped oh again. No. Oh no. I know it's unfathomable why I did exactly the same thing twice. <laughs> Monkeys learn quicker, but it's sadly the truth. I can only blame it on the excitement and my eagerness to get back on the pitch. Who am I kidding? It was the actions of a complete idiot. At least I knew I could get it back out if I angled it right. But when you have a potential audience of thousands watching you do so, time ticks very loudly indeed. A few seconds later, and with another huge sigh of relief, I was able to sprint away from the scene of the crime as fast as I could. The competition was finally ready to begin anyway. You'd think this would have been the key time for me to make a fool of myself, but this ended up being the one part of the whole experience that went as I hoped. I scored all three of my penalties with, to use footballing parlance, aplomb. Wow. Yet when I think about it, yeah, I know. When I think about this day, a day that should be a very happy memory, do I think of those penalties <laughs> flying in at the cop end of Elland Road while my heroes of yesteryear looked on? Of course not. I focus only on three things. My awkward exchanges with Mel Sterland and Bobby Collins, getting my foot stuck in the net not once but twice, and the fact that I apparently snubbed Peter Lorimer by refusing to shake his hand. I just... Aside from the the brilliance of the recap, just the arc of that story is so good <laughs> because yeah. it it ends with some triumph, but then he knows it would be cheesy to leave it there, so he has to bring it back to the mem the memory of the humiliation. It's beautifully beautiful, told, really beautifully told. Very um, nice. I also wondered as as a topic to shake memories loose for you if you want to send in a story for us uh, the largest number of people you've ever humiliated yourself oh, in front of could be a yes. could be a good one yes 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 mm. um and then this to finish with from lieutenant colonel colin i ordered a new toaster for my mother-in-law on amazon and when it arrived i answered the door to collect it rather than being in the standard cardboard packaging this seller had just stuck the delivery label on the toaster box so it was obvious what had been ordered the lady delivering it said you'll enjoy that to which i replied it's not for me and closed the door <laughs> being quite drifty i then worried that i'd been rude to the lady who was just trying to engage me in some friendly conversation and i really ought to have attempted to engage her in a bit of small talk so I opened the door and shouted, but I really love toast at her as she was getting into a van. She was a little surprised, which was bad enough. But then I noticed my neighbour stood by his car looking bewildered and trying to process what I'd seemingly just shouted at him. After agonising seconds of us staring silently at each other, he then said, oh, OK, Colin. And without another word, I went back in and shut the door behind me. When will I learn to leave a slightly bad conversation where it was <laughs> and not humiliate myself any further? Oh, that that's another good one to to dislodge stories, I think. Uh the 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 day you thought it's okay, I can uh, I can save this. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can bring it back round again. All I need here is a bit more time. Yeah, AKA yeah, yeah. the day I kept digging. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, both wonderful. Please send us yours. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com.
Annabelle. Yes. I am ready for the first time in this new year hmm. for a reason that you are not a fully functioning adult. Okay, gift giving. Mm. You've said before, very kindly, that I'm a good gift giver. You are. And I really do try. And often especially so with you because you're such a generous gift giver. But I have failed over the years. That pencil sharpener springs to mind. I once made you a chutney that when, <laughs> that, when <laughs> that when I tasted it before I gave it to you, I thought it was disgusting, but it was too late to get you anything else. So I still gave it to you. I don't remember that as being disastrous. Oh, it was so bad. That's maybe very I had polite a cold of you. When I ate it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Here's a list of things that I've bought Tom that he's never used. A backgammon set, a bird feeder, a voucher for a tattoo, a voucher for a golf lesson, and at least 15 different books and at least two different cookbooks. None of them ever touched. So I, I think most of those are, are good. The backgammon I'm a little mystified by. Yeah, we all are. Mm. Are you going to get into some stuff about giving people vouchers? No, go so on. I just want to say that I've, I've come to the realisation people don't like being given admin, even if it's uh, even if there's a great generosity involved. What do you mean? You think vouchers are admin? Weirdly, yes. This is what, what I've come to see, because I've given people restaurant vouchers before now and, um, and, and some other nice things. And I think there's something about the ticking clock. Oh, I can oh. hear Tom in the background. Is I know. He, is he's he forgetting. Here to wade in <laughs> but, no, about the backgammon he, set? He's just he's, <laughs> he's just in the kitchen, and I think he's forgotten. I, I love a voucher. Um, I love a voucher. I love a voucher. It's like a thoughtful voucher where maybe I would never have happened across this shop myself, or you know, never happened across this experience myself. But yes, um, but I've I've noticed that with quite a lot of people, they just don't use them. Oh, really? Mm. So you've bought them in a van. Well, that's what happened with me and Tom. Like, I bought him two different, maybe even three. I can't remember what the third is. So, some to the extent that I've put so much thought and money into it that it's, it's like years later, I can still feel pain thinking about these unused vouchers. Well, I tell you what I do now with Tom is if I do buy him a voucher i don't actually buy it what i do is i make a certificate saying this certificate entitles you to for example a golf lesson and then he just he doesn't take it up and at least i haven't wasted my money i bet that it's a beautifully designed certificate (laughs) as you can well imagine i hate that you know if somebody's present doesn't turn up in time and you try and make some kind of little token some some people are amazing at it Mm. and uh some people make bad certificates and i think i fall into the latter category me too me too so i asked tom earlier what was the worst present i'd ever bought him in case i'd miss one out and he did that blowing through the teeth thing that gas engineers do (laughs) when you ask them about how much it would cost to fix a boiler and then after a pause he said pickled lemons which i'd forgotten that i'd bought him and we can all agree is a terrible present but the worst thing about my gift giving is my inability to accept anything other than this is the best present anybody has ever bought me. And the worst of this was when I gave an ex 
a hoodie for Christmas. And I thought it was a fairly neutral hoodie. There were no patterns, just a plain hoodie. He wore hoodies. I knew it was the right size. So I was fairly confident. But because it was clothes, which are hard to buy, as it's very obvious if they hate them because they just don't wear them, I put the receipt inside the wrapping. And when I gave it, I said, honestly, if you don't like it, that's totally fine. The receipt's inside. I won't mind at all. Please just say and you can take it back. Think of it as a gift voucher to change for whatever you want. So he opened it and he says straight away, yeah, I think I will change it. And I immediately burst into tears and then locked myself in the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, this is when we were doing a breakfast show, so it could have been lack of sleep, but it it was, with hindsight, a terrible overreaction. (laughs) But the worst gift giving situation I've ever witnessed concerned this same ex, my boyfriend at the time, and my dad. So my ex was a journalist and used to get sent all kinds of stuff from PRs hoping for their product to get a mention in the magazine or newspaper. And some of those things ended up as being as a gift for other people. He basically re-gifted stuff he was sent. And he once got sent a gift pack of some beer that my dad liked and it came with this branded glass. So we thought, I'll give that to Annabelle's staff for Christmas, which I think is kind of fine. Like, it doesn't really matter, does it, that he didn't pay for it? Matters a bit, but, you know. Only a bit, only a bit. Only a bit, only a bit. So he wrapped it up, he gave it to him. My dad opened it and he was thrilled and he said straight away, in all innocence, this is wonderful, where did you get it from? Because it was not something he'd ever seen before. And there followed the longest pause I've ever had the misfortune to be part of. It was so endless and expectant that I could physically feel myself ageing. I could feel my skin thinning (laughs) and my cells deteriorating. Is it like that bit in the uh, Raiders of the the Lost Ark where they start to crumble and then (laughs) turn from humans to skeleton? (laughs) It was exactly like that. After about 18 years of this, my ex said in the weakest and most unsure voice ever, like he hadn't spoken for four decades and was just trying his voice out he said from a special shop a special shop special shop and I think one of the best things that's ever happened to me alongside the birth of my son was the fact that my dad did not ask any further questions he either accepted the existence of a special shop where you can buy special things but had no curiosity to know where it is and what else it sells or and the much more likely scenario is he realised what had been done, that he'd been re-gifted a gift and was too gracious to reveal it. <laughs> so no matter how bad a gift I give, pickled lemons, or how bad the reaction, locking myself in the bathroom, nothing <laughs> will ever be as bad as that. If anyone wants to send in any uh, promotional pickled lemons... <laughs> I can re-gift them. <laughs> Okay, I have a I have a gift related story. Oh, okay. 
since you just spent time talking uh, to, about your, your own experience with gifts, I've got something from this Christmas. Okay. How familiar are you with the film Love Actually? Uh, I've seen it once. If if I talk about the storyline with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, do you know what a... Can, yes. So it's yes. about infidelity. Yes, yes. He um, He is tempted by a, a, a very three-dimensional character of his secretary <laughs> who is uh, a, a tremendous actor who's gone on to great, great things. Um, and she um, she is given by him as a Christmas gift some kind of jewellery, some kind of necklace, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, he is married to Emma Thompson. He's a middle-aged man with a family. She's his wife. And... Uh, and, and she finds ahead of Christmas the box with this necklace in it. So on Christmas Day, she's thinking, oh, my, my daft old husband, he's more romantic and thoughtful than I thought he was going to be. Uh, he's not that type of guy, but he's got me a beautiful necklace for Christmas. Bless him. And, he, and she, she's just waiting to open this thing. And then she gets given a present, which is about the same size as the box, and she opens it up and it's a Joni Mitchell CD. Yeah. So, and and then she has to go off and cry because she realizes that he's bought a necklace for another woman. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Too late. No. <laughs> um. So, my my wife and I both find the film of actually very funny, uh, for perhaps different reasons than than uh, the the filmmakers intended, and we watch it every year. So, like last Christmas, for example. I uh, I gave her that Joni Mitchell CD. Oh, okay, nice little in joke. Yeah, 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 in yeah. Anyway, fast forward to this Christmas morning, and Sarah unwraps the uh, gifts that I've given her. I won't tell you what they are, but I'm a good gift giver, <laughs> and and she's she seems to really like them, but she seems a little seems a little melancholy. Okay. So as I'm playing with our son and some of his Christmas presents, she she goes off as as she often does to attend to whatever, be it her ablutions or I don't know, making herself a cup of tea. I, I don't know what she gets up to, but she, you know, she leaves the room. And then Christmas day continues, and I would say it's fine, but I think there's just something a bit distracted about her and she she doesn't you know doesn't quite seem herself. She eventually, when our son is watching a TV show, says, have you, have you got a second? And she says, so we go into the hall and, and she says, look, I, um, I don't know how to bring this up, but uh, I, um, there was a tote bag you were using last night and I was just putting it away and I found a receipt in it. <laughs> The receipt envelope from, mm. and then she names a very expensive designer store. Says, um, and you know, I can see that none of my presents came came from there. And <laughs> I wondered, I just wondered what what's going on. Yeah, and I, I just felt awful because I had I'd been discovered. Right. 
and I had to confess. Yeah. That a couple of weeks ago, I bought as a gift a, a jumper for our son from the shop, <laughs> but I didn't want her to know that I'd spent the money on it. <laughs> so I cut the label out. <laughs> You did not. Yes. So you didn't know. No. You just thought it was from H&M or something. Yes. No, no. Yeah, I'd seen it online and I thought it was so nice. And I think it's ridiculous to spend that kind of money on, on children's clothing. <laughs> but I just really liked this jumper. Oh. But I thought she would go just mental at me. Like just mental yeah, if I suggested yeah. it. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. So I hatched this plan to go and buy it. And then dispose of all the packaging, and and I took <laughs> I took scissors with me, so that I could cut the labels out outside of the house. No, but I wasn't careful with the receipt. Envelope. You were caught out. I you was were caught, caught out. out. So uh, so we're getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably so. Also, my son won't wear this thing. He's what worn it, he's worn it once and now decides he doesn't like it. And you've cut the labels out, you can't take it back. Or resell it for anything close to the value that it should hold because of the labels. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, so uh, so that was that. Um, What time are we on? How are we for time? We've got a bit of time. Um, Just give you a couple of quick things. I was saying I've been getting a lot of food delivered because I've got COVID. I mean, I get Mm. a lot of food delivered anyway. um, So what I've been doing is as the courier arrives i send them a message in the app saying i have covid please leave on doorstep yeah i did last this last night and the guy sent back a message saying oh capito i thought i love that i don't know i mean what what a great little catchphrase he's got there oh capito capito. it's a bit festive and also i think he's probably calling me his captain oh capito hmm and then Google it, and it just means I understand, I think, in Spanish or something. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, disappointing. I should never have Googled it. I had COVID back in March 2020. And at the time, I put on my Amazon thing, do, do not, like, knock, just leave parcel on doorstep. And then I completely forgot about it. And honestly, up until recently, I just thought it was a new policy that they were just, like, <laughs> ditch the packaging and run. And I, and I and then I suddenly realised, oh, I've, still, I've left it on there all those times. I just thought it was a new Amazon thing. Yeah, they're just really busy. It's nice now. I get to, like, see their faces. I was... Um... Because I've been like sleeping at weird times. It also means I'm awake at weird times, which isn't unusual for me, especially if I'm in bed on my own. So like, I was wide awake into the early hours last night. And the way in which I occupied that time is as it was coming up to midnight, I saw that the data from the um, 1921 census was about to be released. Oh, okay, right. Now, I'm not a family tree genealogy, who do you think you are person at all, really. I'm not very interested in that, but just... For some reason, I fell down this rabbit hole of Googling my parents' families. And um, here's, here's something. That, it, it, first thing is, like, if, if maybe, I don't know what it would take for me to become famous. Say being a streaker or something is probably the best option <laughs> at this point in my career. But I feel like I'd be one of these people that they'd say, would you be interested in doing who do you think you are? And then I'd say, yeah, I think so, in principle. Then they'd look into it and there's nothing at all interesting. Like, not, right. like everyone, like, every, I went back to, I think, you know, the early part of the 1800s and, like, everybody was a hawker or a labourer. 
right or okay. domestic duties right you didn't get you didn't get a royalty for example. nothing nothing no no nobody was more than like a few miles away from anybody else okay it's really boring um but then the, the other thing I noticed was my dad's maternal grandfather, or maybe great-grandfather, he could not decide on his year of birth. And it wasn't that it just fluctuated within a year. Like some years he's born in like 1839, some years he's born in 1846, what? other years he's born in 1855. There's no consistency to how he was filling in his date of birth on the census, even though everything else suggested it was the same person, i.e., you know, the other family members and the address and whatever. And so I can it's like only he had the forethought. Sorry, go on. Go on, you. No, he had the forethought to like mess with his future descendants' head or the, the team of who do you think that you are? Like, yes. wanted to mess with everyone's head in the future. Yes, yes. I, I had a similar thought. I thought it was like, you know, some people are very suspicious of putting their date on uh, the date of birth on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Because they think Mark Zuckerberg's going to clone their identity and beam it over 5G <laughs> into a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he was like the 19th century equivalent of that. Maybe. They're not going to pin me down to a date of birth. How weird. Yeah, it was, uh, it was weird. What I've realised is, I thought, before we started recording, I thought, I wonder if I'll talk about that census thing. And then I remember thinking to myself, it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, it's gone somewhere because all I want to do now is get on this census and do my family oh it's great is it yeah 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 Mm. yeah yeah 1921 I'll report back next week (laughs) thanks for bailing me out of that hole (laughs) (laughs) all right problematic at the GLAP clinic here in um, hang on I've said that wrong haven't I What's the other, th- the, the missing ingredient? Quandary Corner at Quandary the Glap Corner. Clinic here in Problematic. It's been a couple of weeks. I've got COVID. It's messing mm. with my mind. Yes, um, yes. So uh, who, who is the first one of the new year from? It's from Mighty Queen Helen. I am writing this on my laptop on the train in the immediate aftermath of an incident. Ooh. As firstly, I need somewhere to send the uncomfortable feeling. Secondly, as will become apparent, I need to get my head down and look busy. And lastly, because you will know how I could have handled it better. I try to time my toilet visits on long train journeys so that I don't have to wait outside the cubicle and Mm. hopefully don't have someone waiting there once I'm done. Mm. However, on this occasion, it was a long trip. I was out of practice and I've been drinking too much apple juice. Mm. I really desperately had to go. I marched quickly to the vestibule. The door was locked. I was anxious. The other toilet in the carriage was out of order, so I knew I would have to wait. Fortunately, I heard the flush. Great, I thought. I can get in ASAP. But then... I heard the alarm go off. An emergency message played over the intercom. Train manager, a passenger has pulled the alarm. Oh no, now what I'm thinking. But then an elderly woman popped her head out of the door. Oops, she said, I think I pressed the wrong button. She looked very apologetic as she exited. The alarm was still going off. What should I do? Wait until the train manager arrived? But I really needed to go. I couldn't wait. I reasoned I could be in and out quickly. But it wasn't one of those quick trips. Jeff might know what I mean. I do, I do. <laughs> Certainly not quick enough. Some cleanup was required. I was panicking now. The alarm was still going off as I sat there. And then I realised there was definitely going to be some concerned train crew outside. I tried to wash my hands as quickly as possible. Oh, God. 
though not without foregoing the 20 second that is now the minimum required. And to add insult to injury, the basin was tiny and water slopped all over the floor. I braced for the exit. The train crew would definitely think I was either in serious trouble or an idiot. Could I throw the old lady under the bus? I had to let them know it wasn't me who pulled the alarm. I opened the door. Two of the crew were stood there, ready for action. I just blurted out, it was the old lady, the one before me. I'm fine. It was an accident. One of them already had their hand in that box where they can emergency stop the train. They both looked confused. Eventually he said, oh, okay, yes, sir. We just need to turn the alarm off. Don't worry. But by then I was halfway back to my carriage. I now have to sit here and look like I'm working by typing furiously into my laptop so I don't have to look at either of them as they walk past. But my question is, what should I have done? Found another toilet, even though it risked an accident? Waited for the train crew to, to arrive and turn the alarm off? Tried to style it out with a few do not go in there once I flushed. Oh. Right, this is very much your area, Jeff. Yeah, so. it is. I mean, you know, so the first thing is, is once the pin is pulled on the grenade, you've got no choice. So right. you, you had to go to that toilet and you had to go there and then. While the alarm was going off. There yeah. was nothing you could do beforehand. No. So it's all about how you react to it now, isn't I it? I think so. I, I, I'm not conversant enough with the alarm systems in the various trains. I don't know which operators, rolling stock you're, you're talking about here. But I, I think my first instinct would have been to see if there was a way of unsetting the alarm myself. If it, if it was something that you could just press a button and, and it would be over and done with. That would be the ideal situation. But assuming that crossed your mind and that didn't happen. I mean, what's weird to me is that they just waited outside. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't sort of knock on the door and say, you're right in there. Yeah. They just waited. Yes. That is a bit weird, isn't it? Because if I, if, if I was in some kind of peril and I'd set mm. off the alarm, I don't know that I could necessarily get myself up and, um, and stroll out and explain it to the train crew. Mm, mm. I hope true. that they would have some kind of battering ram and or um, button that just opened the door. Well, both of those are terrible if you're mid-flow. So <laughs> would would it be necessary to, while you were sitting there, doing it as quickly as you can, to say, I'm fine, it was an accident, yes, yes, this is on regular yeah, intervals, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. fine, it was an yeah, accident? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I feel like the way, if I'd have been calm enough, I would have sat and and began the uh, evacuation. Mm-hmm. At some point, they would have knocked on the door and said, is everything all right in there? Mm-hmm. I would have gone, yes, all fine, nothing to see here. Um, <laughs> sorry, see. alarm was operating error, out in a sec. Right, right. And then when you get out, then do you throw the old lady under the bus? And no, say no, here's, here's what I think I would do then. Mm. I think I bought myself some time, mm-hmm. right? Unless mm-hmm. they suspect that I'm holding somebody hostage in there. <laughs> but if if you're the if you're the train crew, you're outside, and I love the word vestibule, by the way. Mm, lovely, yes, such a wonderful word. If you're in the vestibule and somebody says, "Set it off in error, nothing to see here, out in a sec," then the 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 temperature has has dropped a bit. The urgency is is has dropped, so mm. they're not kind of poised. So then you can collect yourself. You mm-hmm. can wash calmly. Mm-hmm. You can flush thoroughly. Mm-hmm. You probably can't eradicate eradicate the odor mm-hmm. uh, that is residual. But you you know you can just take your time a little bit. And then, what I would do is 
back in my drinking days, I would sometimes go to this bar and sit in the window. And opposite the bar was um, like an adult, an adult shop, as they used to call them. Mm-hmm. Where people would go to buy uh, um, dirty magazines and such like. And I was always fascinated with the way in pe- which people would leave that shop and and rejoin the flow of pedestrian traffic. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Trying to Seamlessly. make it as if, as if they weren't, as if they'd never been in there. Mm-hmm. And I think I would approach, I'd, I'd take that approach to leaving the toilet. I'd, I'd, steal myself i'd press the button to open the door and as soon as it was big enough for me to pass through i would without making any eye contact i'd say thank you very much and then very purposefully stride towards my seat oh so at no point would you try and say it was someone else no i don't i don't think that's uh i I don't think um it's important to make somebody else a patsy in this situation. <laughs> okay. If you okay. handle it like that. Okay, okay. So, I mean, it's amazing that's never happened to me. Incredible. Just given mm. the, uh, the the range of toilet-related uh, mishaps that I've had. but And the amount you've taken trains in past years. It's yeah, astonishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but that is exactly what you'd do. Okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, next one. But it also sounds like there, there was some strange behaviour on their part by not knocking on the door. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A little bit weird. Okay. Uh, and then this from Anne. I wonder if you'll answer this differently this year. She says, it gets arse every year, in brackets, probably. But when do I stop saying Happy New Year? A, in person. B, in email. Oh, uh, let me just look at the calendar because it varies from year to year. Obviously, I've got my what? own... <laughs> Do you it not varies it, from year to year. With email, it definitely does. Okay. Okay. So, for example, people's first day back at work after the new year this year was the 4th of... Um, uh, okay. It was a Tuesday, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think you've got until the end of that week. For email? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, as of Monday the 10th, you don't need to be writing it in an email. Okay. Even though, it, say you're writing someone an email for the first time that year yeah. on Monday the 10th. Yeah. You just, you don't even mention it. Yeah. I thought you had the whole of January well, if it was a first. I think if seeing people in person, it's uh, it's the whole of January. Oh, I would have it the other way around just because I, I'm looking for an opener and, and that's a good one. So I think January, okay, interesting. I think so. Because I think... We need a hard fast rule here. Let's just make yeah, no, just no, make, no. Just so, make so, a hard so, fast so rule. And this we'll is what I it. mean. So if it follow if if the if new if the first day back after New Year falls on the Monday or the Tuesday, mm-hmm. you've got until the end of that week. Okay. Any later, you move it into the following week. <laughs> but it, you know, but but then pushing it by a day incrementally rather than sort of okay. including the whole of that week. I think. <laughs> Unless it's the Friday, then you have to go with the whole of the week. Wow, okay. Um, if anybody wants me to put that in writing for them, if they weren't able to follow it exactly, I'm happy to I do think, that. I think that was very clear. <laughs> Great, okay, that's the rule. But Finished, you know what done. I would really love is um, if somebody furbished us with 20 things you can write at the beginning of an email. Oh, yes, please. And 50 subject lines. 
Yes, yes. Oh, God. I mean, that's just the worst. That would be good. Yeah, the yeah. Worst, the amount of my time. I, I think I could find a cure for, I don't know what. Anything that would mean I, did, I wasn't writing Hope You Well. The common cold. I could find a cure for the common cold if I, had, if I could reclaw the time I spend thinking about subject lines. That would be wonderful. That would be life Or the first thing in an email. Yeah. Mm. That'd be great mm. if you have any any of those. Wouldn't that just be? A, wouldn't that be our contribution to humanity? If as drifters, yes, we we came up with those things and then we just put them somewhere for people to use them. We'd be the greatest people on earth because we've done it already to some extent with the hot enough for you, cold enough for you. Yes, I need to get that published somehow. Mm. 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 But well, thanks, thanks for reminding me. Must get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I did have a designer saying they were going to do it, but then they went a bit quiet. Maybe I'll chase that up. You see, what I would like is a, a really nice knitted jumper that said cold enough for you mm. and uh, a pair of skimpy shorts, which on the, <laughs> on the butt said hot enough for you. Hot enough for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, send us your quandary, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> our podcast thank you for listening sorry about the lateness um with hindsight i was just malingering i could have done it on <laughs> tuesday night but I, I hope you uh hope you you can understand what it's like to live as a malingerer yeah it's difficult it is hard but uh but here we are we are now into uh, into the new year another one next week send us your quandaries and your stories and everything else we've asked for in the episode it's hello at adriftpodcast.com thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music Carla Gowlett took our photos Kim Rainey designed our artwork and uh, I'll finish this first episode of the, the new year by saying but I really love toast <laughs> Okay, podication time. And this comes from Adam Jenkins, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I'd like to request a podication for my wife, Sarah. We're both drifters, but it comes out in fairly different ways. And we each have enough areas where we can demonstrate non-drifter behaviour to enable us to just about get through life. It often feels tough to get by when there are so many other people around us who don't seem to struggle with the most basic elements of life. So it's a relief to listen to Adrift and know there are others like us out there. It's not been the best few years for us. This coming weekend marks the third anniversary of my father passing away quite suddenly. I'm really sorry to hear that, Adam. Um, mm. Yeah, obviously it's something I have some insight into. Um, which was an event that really made me look at my mental health and realise... That would probably not been in the best of places for some time. My father's death was the culmination of a number of tough losses over several years, as well as cancer scares for my mother and only sibling. Having spent much of my life successfully hiding my introverted nature, usually with the help of alcohol, that was just no longer possible. Despite, frankly, having become quite different from the man she married, 
Sarah has been a constant support and shown me far more patience than I've deserved. That's especially been true over the last 18 months. Just before the initial lockdown, we came close to losing my mother, which added a layer of stress and complication to that period. Then I managed to catch COVID, which developed into long COVID and robbed me of my energy for the best part of a year. I wasn't anywhere near as bad as many and have felt very fortunate in that respect. But for much of that time, I was either working or in bed with very little time or energy to be anything resembling a good husband or father. While it hasn't been easy, there have been plenty of moments of joy along the way. Um, We're lucky to have a good life together with lots of family and great friends around us. The darker moments in life help us enjoy the happy ones all the more. And while I've not always quite grasped that, hopefully I'm getting there. I'm a fortunate man indeed to have had Sarah with me, sorry, by me for so long. Having just passed our 16th anniversary together, I look forward to many more years with her. And no matter what life throws our way, I feel like together we can cope with anything. Thank you, Adam Jenkins. Adam, thanks for writing that. And thanks for writing so candidly i think there's a lot in that that people are going to you know that pe- people will see themselves and their own relationships and in, in that and it is hard you know it, it's i think when you're going through something be it a mental health episode or, or be it a, a trauma around events or family members obviously you're the person who's directly impacted by it but it's really difficult i think um balancing that and and understanding that it's not just you that's impacted by it and you know to a large extent it's a bit like being on an airplane when they say put your own air mask on before oxygen mask on before but before helping anyone else and i think that's true but it sounds like you're really sort of aware of um what Sarah does for you and it's 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 beautiful it's really beautiful that you've got that and you're able to express that and I think maybe you're like a I don't know maybe you're a little bit hard on yourself as well because you are Mm. you know we're multifaceted aren't aren't we and you know you are the man that she married but um it is it's a hard hard line to walk I say this from some experience again so um I think I think that um, people really appreciate hearing that because it's. I don't think it's something that gets talked about a lot enough. Actually, that aspect of maybe it's just marriage or relationships, or maybe it's um, mental health, but just you know the the ways in which other people need to accommodate I don't know I don't feel like I'm doing a great job of explaining what I mean Annabelle can you help me out do you know what I mean um the people around you and how is that is that what you're trying to get yeah, yeah, at how, the, how they yeah. live with it as well yeah, ex- yeah exactly that because you know I, I certainly don't think anybody should be feeling guilty about their own you know mental health but at the same time I think it's really good to appreciate um how you, how, how what what other people do for you, and, and mm-hmm. you know how it's it's not only you that's going out through sometimes something yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. I'm trying to get at. 
how it impacts on their life. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's a, a kind of weight of responsibility that can be difficult to balance with that as well. So, um, Adam, thank you. That was really candid, and Sarah sounds amazing. And I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. And I hope just sort of generally with every everything else, um, things are a bit better and continue to get better. And happy 16th anniversary, belatedly. Yes. Mm. And um, yeah, I hope uh, hope there are many more. Okay. If you'd like a podication, email us. It's, <clears throat> I've gone very hoarse all of a sudden. You don't think it's the Rona, do you? Probably. Right. You've ever done it. How, this is probably the most talking you've done for a while. Yeah, yeah. I did do a long Zoom yesterday. Oh, well, you've had practice. <laughs> get, get on with it. Yeah. Um, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.